suffering, what does hope rising up look like for you? What does it look like for you in the midst of the very real struggles of your life right now? What does it look like for you to remember that your Redeemer lives, that Jesus loves you just the same right now as he did before all this stuff started? What does it look like for you to know that Jesus is coming back and all that's wrong with the world he's going to set right? We love a good underdog story. You know the ones where the person or team overcomes great odds to do something incredible? Well, as you'll hear today, hope is like that underdog, breaking through the trials in your life to lift you up. Pastor Daniel will challenge you to think about how you let hope rise up in the middle of your difficult moments. He encourages you to let the truth of who God is and His promises bubble up and give you hope. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Job chapter 1 as he continues his message, Hope Under Pressure. Job's possessions begin to be stolen or ruined by raiders. Obviously, we find from the losing of his possessions that he ends up losing his family. His sons and daughters are together in one house, and there was a great wind, and the house fell in, and they all passed away. And then ultimately, by the time you get to chapter 2, Job's got the, the physical sufferings. of Now he's got these painful boils from head to toe, and he took a, a, a piece of a potsherd, a piece of a, a broken clay pot to scrape those boils to try and give him some sort of a relief. See, really what you find is that there are many different types of suffering, and Job experienced a lot of different types of suffering, whether it was his health, his family, his possessions, uh, struggles, spiritual struggles. And we have to remember that suffering happens to everybody, but everyone's experience of suffering is different. Right, like my friend Philip, who I told you about, he had physical ailments, issues with his family. Right, I know for me, like you know, I suffered when my mother passed away, a loving family, but that we lost my mom, and and every single person has their own things that are the sufferings that they're dealing with, and oftentimes we think ours is the worst because it's ours, but we have to realize that suffering is part of the human condition. Right, And so Job is a great example of all of the suffering that people can experience because Job experienced a lot of them. Times of of great victory and great plenty and now times of crushing defeat. But in all of our lives, God has a plan in our sufferings. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us In all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings with which we also suffer. 
or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. The number of times that I have quoted 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as a pastor, it's innumerable because everybody needs to remember that whatever sufferings or trials we go through, God comforts us in the midst of those sufferings and trials. And then God wants us to be able to share the comfort we've received from the Lord with other people who are going through similar things. See, it's one of the ways that God leverages the sufferings that we go through to help build up the people of God, where all of a sudden, because we've been through something, we can empathize. We've had similar experiences to somebody who's going through that, and we get to be able to bless them and comfort them by the things that we've gone through. The number of times that my own story of life, whether it's you know my my background in in partying and addictions, the, the way God God has delivered me, worked in my life, going through the loss of my mom, walked with different people through different things. Sometimes I get the chance to coach pastors and leaders with the things that I've experienced that you can pass along the comfort that God has comforted us with. And all of us, because everybody suffers in different areas, we all have different, there's different types of suffering. Each one of us, God takes the sufferings and he creates a testimony there of how he has worked in and through our lives through the suffering so that we can be able to share it with one another. And so God wants us, when we're going through suffering, to be able to receive from other people the comfort that they've received. Now, because we're covering the whole book of Job, there's lots that I want to be able to say about this, but there's more to this story that I think is important. Listen to what happens in Job chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Then his wife, speaking of Job's wife, said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one, as a foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, it says, Job did not sin with his lips. Then verse 11. Now when, now when Job's three friends heard of all the adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the, the Shuathite, and Zophar the Namanite, uh, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted up their voices and they wept. And each one of them tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Now, really what we find here, and ultimately as we continue to read the book of Job, you know, there is, you know, some 30 chapters of this discussion or the dialogue that goes on between Job and his friends. But really what we learn is that in times of sufferings, sometimes friends and family fail. In times of suffering, sometimes the people who are closest to us do not help. Now, you know, in a lot of ways, we, we first saw Job's wife come saying, and all that's gone on, you keep your integrity, you should just curse God and die. Now, you have to realize that a lot of times, you know, Job's wife gets a bad rap, you know, but really, you got to realize that Job's wife is also suffering intensely. She lost all of her kids as well. She lost all of her possessions as well. And now she's looking at her husband who has, has got boils from head to toe and he's completely broken and her life got completely broken as well. But really what we see here is that Job's wife in the midst of the suffering, when she could have tried to come and 
been a support. Instead, she's like, man, you just got to curse God and die. Like, like, like this is horrendous. She's given up all hope, right? And then Job's three friends come. They want to mourn with him, right? And they, and, and they get together with him and they don't even recognize Job. I mean, Job, his whole life is changed and he's in such deep grief that they're tearing their clothes. They're putting dust on their heads, all these signs of mourning and humiliation. And it's amazing as it says that they held space with Job for seven full days and just, just being there with them. And then Job starts to speak. And then really what goes on is for the next 30 or so chapters, they begin to say, Job obviously must have done something wrong. And really what you find here is that oftentimes one of the things that makes suffering so challenging is when the people who are closest to us, the people who are supposed to be there for us, when they fail. But that's exactly what happened to Job. And, and Job starts with three friends. Another friend ends up showing up, giving Job a, a hard time. You know, saying, obviously, you must have done something wrong. Obviously, there's some sin in your life. And unfortunately, in times of great suffering, our friends and our family can fail. But don't ever forget the fact that Jesus had that exact same experience, didn't he? I mean, when you think about Jesus's journey to the cross, he needed his disciples to be there. He needed his loved ones to be there, but they weren't there for Jesus. I mean, think about what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 33 to 35. Peter answered and said to Jesus, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny myself. And so said all the disciples. But you know the story, don't you? Just a little bit later, Peter denies Jesus three times. But at that moment, he was going to be there with Jesus. I mean, think about when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was beside himself praying drops of blood. He wanted his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, to be there with him. But they kept falling asleep. Because they, they, they weren't there for him. Listen to what else happened to Jesus. Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. It says, now about the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, when Jesus is on the cross, he's feeling forsaken by his father as he's becoming the sin of the world and receiving God's just punishment for those sins. See, listen, it happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us. Sometimes our, the people closest to us will not be there for us in the times of great suffering, which adds more anguish to the suffering we're going through. Now, in a lot of ways, I think for us, we just had to, I needed to make sure from Job's story that I put that out there because a lot of times our friends and our loved ones not being able to be there for us really adds insult to injury. Sometimes it's even the worst part of the suffering. But what I will tell you is that God is faithful even when nobody is not. Listen, God is faithful even when your friends and your family won't be. In a lot of ways, I like to remind people that when we go through the hardest times, the, the people of God, the church is at its best. When someone's life is falling apart, I have seen over and over and over again, the people of God just rally around somebody in the most horrific situations. And it's, in some ways, the people of God are at their best when our lives are at the worst. But sometimes our friends and our families, they fail us in the midst of suffering, which adds increased suffering to it. Now, in the midst of all this discussion, and really, you can read from chapter 3 
all the way through uh, chapter 37. It's a long, you know, a dialogue. And in some ways, when the fourth friend comes, there's even more stuff going on. But what's beautiful is in the midst of all this discussion, in these dialogue amongst Job and his friends and all that goes on, something amazing happens. And I'm going to read this to you from Job chapter 19, verses 21 to 27. Job says this. He says, have pity on me. Have pity on me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book that they would were engraved on a rock with a iron pen and lead forever. Listen to this verse 25. For I know that my redeemer lives and he will stand at last on the earth and after my skin is destroyed this I know that in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me my friends let hope rise under pressure in the midst of all that's going on Job has lost everything he's experiencing Every type of suffering probably known to humanity and his wife and his friends are not there for them. And he's crying. He's like, listen, why are you all against me? My life is hard enough. But then all of a sudden in the midst of all of this suffering, then hope rises on up because all of a sudden out of nowhere, Job says, for I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. He's saying, listen, I know that my redeemer Jesus is alive. I know that he's going to stand upon the earth. And then he says even something even more profound. He says, verse 26, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I will see God. In the midst of all of this pain, hope rise up. He's like, look, even when my body is destroyed, I know I'm going to see my God. And in a lot of ways, this is what God wants for us in the midst of suffering. When we let that hope rise up in the middle of, in the crucible of the pain, when we allow the reality of who the Lord is to come on up in the midst of such a tragic situation. And we remember that we know that Jesus is real. We know that this suffering, it's real, but it's not forever. Jesus is more real than our suffering. And Job lets this hope rise up right in the midst of the suffering. Now, let me ask you this. In the areas that you're suffering, what does hope rising up look like for you? What does it look like for you in the midst of the very real struggles of your life right now? What does it look like for you to remember that your Redeemer lives? That Jesus loves you just the same right now as he did before all this stuff started. What does it look like for you to know that Jesus is coming back and all that's wrong with the world, he's going to set right? My friends, we need to let hope rise up under the pressure and the crucible of suffering. It's like my friend Philip. In all that was going on, he would praise God. I remember we'd, I'd have to go see, I'd see Philip in the hospital often. There was a number of times he had these emergency surgeries at all these different health ailments And he used to always say, I know that I'm going to get to see the Lord. I know that the Lord is good. I know that Jesus, he loves me. And he'll never stop loving me, no matter how this surgery goes. And the Bible is full of stories of people who suffered intensely. 
but hope rised up within them. I think of the Apostle Paul writing to his to the churches, to some of his the people he worked with from jail, saying, listen, I know that my time's at hand, but I know who the Lord is. I know what he's done. I know that I will see God's hand in the land of the living. I know whom I have served, and I know he's able to keep what I have entrusted to him. Jesus is the ultimate example of hope in the midst of suffering as Jesus hung on the cross. Saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Praying for the very people who did this to him. See, God wants us to walk in that hope in the midst of the deepest valley of sufferings. You know, one of my favorite daily devotionals I love reading those different daily devotions. There's lots of them out there, but, you know, Streams in the Desert is a, is a classic one. It was actually written, uh, if you ever, uh, if you've seen the book, if you don't see it, you should get a copy of it. It's written by Mrs. Charles Cowan. And, and really, Charles and his bride, they were missionaries, and then Charles got super sick. And Mrs. Charles Cowan spent the rest of her life caring for her husband who was sick but they weren't on the mission field anymore. And so she would collect all these different writings about uh, how God meets us in, in these times of struggle, the streams, the, the, the refreshment in the desert season. You know, and it's so beautiful because you imagine the great impact that the Cowans thought that they were going to have as they were heading on out to serve the Lord cross-culturally, but ultimately because Charles got sick, you know, and, and Mrs. Cowan decided she was going to take care of her husband. Now, the number of people that have been reached through streams in the desert. I mean, I'm talking about it now, hundreds of years after the book was written. Why? Because we can see that God works even in the midst of the deepest suffering. God has a plan. And we need to let that hope rise up within. It. It's like what James says, James chapter one, verses two to five. James says it this way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I love this. You can count it joy when you fall into various sufferings or trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces fruit. That fruit is patience. Obviously, one of the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect. That word perfect literally means fully mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, God uses the suffering to mature us, to grow us up. As we're learning patience, he's growing us up, that we might be Complete that we're not lacking anything. And then it says, hey, if you're lacking wisdom, guess what? You can ask God. Because God loves to give wisdom to those who ask for it. He gives it to them liberally without reproach. What it means is that when you ask God for wisdom, he'll give you more wisdom than you ask for. And he doesn't give you a hard time about it. God doesn't say, oh yeah, you, you needed my wisdom. So ha 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 ha, here's some wisdom. He doesn't do that. He doesn't give him a hard time. He says, listen, you want wisdom? I'm going to give you wisdom. More than, more than you even realized you wanted and I'm never going to falter for asking for wisdom. That's why we, we can rejoice. We let hope rise up in the sufferings. Now, the book of Job ends in, in a very strange way. And really you get this from Job chapters 38 to the end of the story. 
But really what we learn, because notice it says this in Job chapter 38, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now, prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you? And then God goes on and asks chapters and chapters of questions. And what does this teach us? Listen, you can trust God even when he doesn't explain himself. Now, I know that's the last thing anybody wants to hear right now in times of suffering. But listen, you can trust God even when God doesn't explain himself because God never explains to Job what he was doing. God never says, this is why that happened, Job. He just says, Job, where were you when I created everything? Where were you when I stretched out the heavens? Where were you when I made the boundaries for all the oceans? Where were you when I created everything? See, God never answers the deepest questions that Job has. He just reminds Job that he is God and that Job is not. And my friends, one of the greatest gifts that you can receive in your times of suffering is to remember that you can trust God even if God doesn't explain to you why. Because what I've learned in my life is there's lots of things I have questions about that God doesn't answer. doesn't mean he doesn't answer any questions. He just doesn't answer all of my questions. Because if God answered all of your questions, you don't need to walk by faith at all. You don't need to trust God at all. He's already given you all the answers. Oftentimes, God does not explain to us the very things that we want to know. But he's still trustworthy. And when you read the end of the book of Job, it's kind of amazing to realize that God doesn't actually take time to answer any of Job's questions. He just reminds Job that he's God and he's powerful enough. Job said it this way, Job 13, 15, in the midst of all that's going on, Job said something powerful. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. He's saying, if God were to take my life, I still trust him. And that's really powerful because, listen, in your sufferings, what the enemy of your soul wants to do is when you're suffering, he wants to tell you, God doesn't love you. You can't trust God. God's got ill intentions towards you, right? And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy that relationship that God bought for you on Calvary's cross. And sometimes God will say, listen, you can't believe in God because God doesn't explain himself. Listen, God does not need to explain himself to us. There's so many times I say, God, I don't understand what's going on. And God's never like, well, listen, let me explain it to you so that you understand everything that I'm doing. God never does that. He doesn't have to explain to us what he's doing because he's God. We're not God's equal. We can be like, I I demand the truth. No. God's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And what the Bible teaches is that God is trustworthy, even when it doesn't all make sense. Jesus is real. Kids are always asking questions. They always want to know how and why things happen. And this doesn't change as kids grow into adults. We want to understand what's going on. This is especially true in times of suffering. But as Pastor Daniel shared today, God doesn't always give you the answers you're looking for. But you can trust that He's big enough to handle what you're going through. You can trust God to carry you through, to show you the way forward, even when it doesn't all make sense. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? 
I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel finishes up this series about how to have an unstoppable hope no matter your circumstances, by looking at what gives you confidence. You'll learn that God wants you to be able to step out and take bold steps of faith with hope because you're confident in who God is and what He's doing. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Unstoppable Hope. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.